Hey, this is Ryan Tucker, and you're listening to the Unchangeable Truth Podcast. Today, you're listening to Pastor Stephen's sermon. He comes out of Romans chapter 15, verses 17 through 22, and it's titled, The Heart of a Missionary. Romans chapter 15. Hey, so about two years now, we've been walking through the book of Romans. Verse by verse, if you're new to us, that's kind of what we do around here. I'll, I'll pray and, hey, God, where, where do you want us to go next? And we just will dive off into a book and we spend a lot of time in those books. And that's what we've been doing in Romans now. Like I said, getting close to two years. And the guy who wrote the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul, what we have been seeing over and over again is, What a missionary heart he has. And the text that we're going to read today is just going to uh, confirm what we already know about him. That because the gospel had radically changed and transformed his life, he wanted to see it do the same for others. And so I've been praying this morning, moving forward, Uh, Toward today's service, I've been praying that we all will have a missionary heart, that if that is not something we have, then today that is a commitment that we will make. And I would say the problem that many folks who profess the name of Christ have is we never share our faith. And the reason why we don't share our faith is, well, we really don't have a burden for the lost. That we think the gospel has been given to maybe even exhaust itself on ourselves and our own family. And by that I mean this. Well, at least me and my family are saved. And so listen, guys, listen. The heart of a missionary does exactly the opposite of that. The heart of the missionary says, I can't rest until the whole world hears. That I'm so, uh, I'm so burdened inside my core being that there might be one that does not know Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, a lot of times we, uh, we tend to, uh, and, I, and I'm not saying that we're against salvation. I think we're for salvation. It's just not the most important thing in our lives. I heard about this guy one time that was attending a uh, a first aid class, and this was months-long class, and they, uh, they would show up, and each week, the students in the class, they were given the opportunity to be able to share how they had used some of the first aid uh, training that they had received. And so this guy shows up one week, and he says, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I used the first aid training this past week. I couldn't believe it, what I'd exactly been taught. I was sitting in my living room, and all of a sudden I hear tires squeal outside, and there's a car that has hit a telephone pole, and the door's flung open, and it slung people that were lying there on my front lawn, and I remembered, what do I do in this scenario? What do I do in this scenario? So I sat down and put my head between my knees to make sure I didn't pass out with everything that was going on right there in my front yard. I mean, some of you, two of you laughed at that. The rest of you, you should have. I tell you that story because even though we would not say this, the evidence of our lives is we are living as though those who have, who know first aid, yet we are using it on ourselves. 
I'm not against the gospel. I'm for the gospel. Oh my goodness. Yes, I want to be saved. I want my ticket to heaven punched. I want my fire insurance policy. But don't bother me with having a burden for someone else's lostness. Notice what Paul says. He wasn't content to hang on to the gospel. Look in verse 17. Romans 15. His heart was to share the gospel with all. He says in verse 17, Therefore, therefore I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus. And the thing, well, for, let me just stop right there. Every time I read that, Every time I read that, I'm reminded that there have been things in my own life that I've said that I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I said that. There have been things that I've done that I've been ashamed of. There have been times that I've spoken and I should have listened. There have been times that I didn't say a word and I should have. And there have been times that I'm like, I cannot believe that's how I responded. But I'm telling you, that has never been the case when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I glory in that. I glory in the gospel. Notice what he says there. He says again, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed. So notice what he has said. What I'm telling you, it happened to me. The transformation that I speak of, it can happen to you. He says, to make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and roundabout to uh, Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. So I've made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see. And those who have not heard shall understand. I'm so thankful. That's the truth of the gospel. Verse 22, for this reason I also have been much hindered from coming to you. Let's stop right there. The next time we'll pick up in verse 23 and it fits perfectly together. But notice what he has said here. He has told us what we already know from the book of Acts. That Jerusalem was the beginning of the Christian church. And then he said... I preached the gospel all the way from Jerusalem to Illyricum. Now we're like, now I'm not familiar with the country of Illyricum. <laughs> it's because we don't have it today. Today it would be modern day Serbia. It would be modern day Croatia. It would be the eastern part of Europe. So he's like, I've preached it all the way from Jerusalem to that part of eastern Europe. And then when you look down in verse 24 that we'll get to next time, he says, I have plans to come see you in Rome when I'm on my way to Spain. Now for you and I, we're like, yeah, Spain. Yeah, that's a civilized nation, a part of the civilized world. When Paul wrote this in 56 or 57 AD, Spain would have been the utter ends of the world. They thought the world was flat, as a few of you do. Because we've had those conversations, right? They thought the world was flat. They thought you get over to Spain, you might just sail off the edge of the world. 
of the globe, of the earth. And so when he says, hey, I hope to see you, I'm going to pass through when I, when I go to Spain. He's saying, I'm taking the gospel where they've never heard the gospel before. I'm going to take the gospel where no one else has taken it before to the uttermost parts of the earth. Paul says, my heart's desire is to take it where he's never been preached. Even if it means... I go to the end of the earth. Now, today we know that Spain is not the end of the earth. We know that the, uh, the, the world is a globe and that we can go all the way around the world taking the gospel. But here's what I want to do in these few verses that we've read today. I want to issue to you and I as the church, the body of Christ here at Highland Park, I want to issue a missionary challenge. Over the next little bit of time that I have with you, I hope to do two things. Number one, I hope to inform you. And secondly, I hope to inspire you. So first of all, let me inform you about our global goal. And the way we do that, first of all, is we've got to look at the data of the world. We've already sang about it in that song, So Will I. There are over 8 billion people on planet Earth. The nations, the number of nations there are, it changes weekly. But when I, when I was finishing this sermon this week and I was looking at the United Nations website, uh, it said that there are currently 193 nations on this planet. Now that may have changed by the time I wrote that down. But it's not important for us necessarily to think of reaching this world, the 8 billion people, through nations because we really need to look at the ethno-linguistic groups. That means groups of people that may be divided in a nation through ethnicity or through language or through both of them. So ethno-linguistic groups, we're talking, um, we're talking about 13,000 of them. So 8 billion people, 13,000 ethno-linguistic groups on this planet. This is the world that we live in. And every single day, over 200,000 people are added to the population of this world. I'm just informing you guys about our goal. I'm just giving you this is the hard data of the world that we live in. Now, if we know that we are to have the heart of a missionary, if Paul is saying, I'm taking the gospel in areas where they've never heard so that I might win some to Christ, then we can't just stop by looking at the data of the world. We've got to look at the details of the lost. You might find this sobering to hear these statistics Experts tell us that 59% of the world's population is considered unreached, meaning that Jesus Christ is not known or named among 4.5 billion people. Billion with a B. 157,000 people in the world die each day without Jesus Christ. And we sit there and we're like, well, that's just some remote area, you know. Thank goodness we live in a Christian country like the United States of America. Did you notice my tongue slip into my cheek when I made that statement? Do you know which country in the world more missionaries are sent to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ? Right here in the good old U.S. of A. 
Recent statistics tell us that 46% of the population of the United States do not even profess to be Christians. Now, you know that somebody can profess to be Christian because they say, I was raised in a Christian family, or my granddaddy was a preacher, or yeah, I believe in Jesus, but we know that only uh, someone can only be a Christian if they have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He is Lord of their life. They have been changed, right? Paul would say they've been transformed. So we're using this terminology very loosely, but 46% of the population of the United States is lost without Jesus Christ. That means 153 million Americans are currently headed to hell. I'm just informing you about our goals, guy. That's the, guys, that's the data of the world. We live here. That's the details of those that we're supposed to reach. And then all of a sudden, we see a very deliberate command of our Lord. We know it as the Great Commission. Maybe you've never heard this or read this before. It may sound very familiar to you, but I want to share with you the Great Commission. It's found in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. The words of our Lord himself, he says, therefore. Now, contextually, we can look at what the there is for. Or the therefore is for, right? But I'm going to say today in the context of what we're talking about. Therefore, since there are 8 billion people who live on planet Earth. Therefore, since there are 4.5 billion people who have never heard the name of Jesus Christ before. Therefore, since almost half of Americans do not even profess to be Christian. Therefore, since almost 200,000 die every day without Jesus Christ. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to do everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Now let's stop and think about that. Let's leave that scripture up. What would you say is the most important word of that command? Now you don't have to say it out loud. You're welcome to. Okay? Most of us would say it's the word go. And then there are others that would say, well, make disciples, that's pretty important. There are others that would say nations, that's a key one. And then there are a lot that would even say, well, what about baptizing them? And, and I know that you would make that statement not believing that baptism gets anybody to heaven, but knowing what baptism represents. We've already talked about that, right? The symbolic nature of baptism, someone who has been changed, cleansed, saved, they are different, their want to is completely different. I'm going to submit another word to you. I'm not saying that your words are wrong. What I'm saying is I'm the one preaching the sermon. Them. I would argue with you that the word them is the most important part right there of the Great Commission. And here's where I come to this, church. When it comes to missions, missions and the target of missions, it's not a plan, right? The target of missions is not a program. I would even say the target of missions is not even a strategy. It's not some board somewhere. The target of missions is people. 
In the Great Commission, them. Who does them represent? 4.5 billion people. You say, why is that important? I'll tell you why. Because they've all been created by God. They're all loved by God. Jesus died for those 4.5 billion people whom God knows their name. And God knows every single hair on their head. I'm just saying, church, you and I must reach individuals for Jesus Christ. And so my prayers I've been moving today because I knew some of you were already going to be mad because your team lost. I mean, I really didn't know that until about, I don't know, 6.45 last night. But I knew some wouldn't even be here. Should we even focus on this? Should we do something else? Should I come in here and do a sermon that's going to make everybody feel good? And by the way, Florida State, come on. Why didn't you pull that out? I was rooting for you. Seminole fans, pray harder. But no, guys, listen to me, listen to me. My heart's passion, my heart's desire, as one who will give an account to God for everything that I preach before you, is this. We need to reach people for Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask you, share the global goal. Again, what is the global goal? 8 billion people, 4.5, never heard the name of Jesus Christ. Over half of the people of the United States do not even profess to be Christians. What is the goal? Reach them. Over the years, I've had folks, as our church has grown and it's gotten larger and larger, there will usually be someone who will say this, well, I'm going to leave the church because the church has just gotten too big. Which is always amazing to me. As if I have some control over what God does in his bride. And by the way, can I just say, I'm for it. I even had somebody a while back, they said this, they said, well, just how big do you want to grow that church? And I wasn't even being a smart aleck. Now, a lot of times I'll be a smart aleck, but I wasn't even being a smart aleck. And I simply said this, more. More. We want to reach more for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to reach more. We want to see more families changed. We want to see more marriages put back together. We want to see more young people get excited about the things of Christ. We want to see more people be able to face the last days of their life knowing that when they take their last breath, they'll open their eyes and they'll be in the very presence of the one who gave his life for them. So I'm saying more. We want to reach more. We're all about more. It is more, more, more. That's who we are. Man, we may rename this church More Church. We're searching for new names. I don't know. We thought about the, what was that one we came up with? Panama City Compassion Center or something like that. Here's the second one. I want to inspire you. What is the inspiration that you engage in our global game plan? Now, how in the world do we reach these 4.5 billion people on this earth? This is so simple, guys. You could have written this yourself. The very first thing that we do is we pray for missionaries. And not only do we pray for missionaries that are already serving, but we pray for more missionaries.
How are we going to reach them? Some of you are going to have to go. People like you are going to have to go. You're going to have to reach them. Listen to the words of Christ. This is in Matthew 9, 37. Oh, man, these, these, just, these just, oh, man, they linger. Listen to what he says there. They'll haunt you. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Here's what he has said. There are 4.5 billion that don't even know the name of Jesus. But the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of a harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So we need to pray for workers, right? We need to pray for missionaries. We need to pray for the Lord to send out more and more workers. And we need to pray, oh God, in my prayer, may my heart be willing, right? And so here's what I've decided I want to do. And God's really been doing this in my life recently to where I don't just say, hey, we need to pray, but I stop and pray. Like some of you, I've been guilty of saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll put that on my prayer list. And I will put it on my prayer list and I'll pray later. But you know what? I think we ought to stop right now and do what the Lord himself has told us to do, to pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out more workers. Would you do that with me this morning? Bow your heads with me right now. Let's pray, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. You indeed are the Lord of the harvest. And we ask you that you would call out from among us in this room, that you would call out from among those that are watching by television, those that will be watching online, those that will be listening through our podcast. Oh God, would you please call out men and women and boys and girls to take the gospel to the othermost parts of the world. God, may you call out in this room workers, some lifetime appointed missionaries, others through short-term mission trips, God, others to be missionaries in their neighborhood, in their workplace, in their school. God, you tell us the fields are white unto harvest. Oh, God, call out and send out as the Lord of the harvest so that we might bring in the lost. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. So we pray for missionaries. What is the second inspiration that I have for you today as you engage in our global game plan? It is to possess a burden for the lost. Hear me, guys. You'll never go across the globe to reach others for Jesus Christ, much less go across the street to reach others for Jesus Christ until you have a burden for those lost people and you love them the way that Jesus loves them. You say, well, how does he love them? Here's what the Bible says. For God so loved the world. He's not talking about the earth. He's not talking about the trees and the oceans, right? The mountains. For God so loved the world. Do you know he's talking about? People. He's talking about people that don't look like you or I. He's talking about we are to love people who don't think like you and I. He's talking about loving people who don't speak like you or I. He's talking about loving people, don't miss this, loving people who may even be hostile to the gospel. 
Well, I thought we were to damn them. Who told you that? God loved them. You say, how much does he love them? He sent his son. He died on their behalf. Hey, I'll even take a bigger step and throw this out on a limb. He's even, he even loves and he calls us to love people who don't vote the way that we do. It's radical. When you love God, you'll love the same thing that God loves. And I'm telling you, friend, God loves a lost world. I want you to hear another passage where he talks about this calling. It's in Ezekiel 22.30. In Ezekiel 22.30, he says, I look for a man among them who would build up the wall, who would stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. And then listen to God's frustration. But I found none. Could it be that God was talking about these 4.5 billion people who do not know Jesus? That he's saying, I was looking for a man, I was looking for a woman, I was looking for someone to stand in the gap on behalf of these who've never heard the name of Jesus, and I looked and I found no one. Man, I pray that you'll be inspired today to have a burden that you possess a burden for the lost world. You've heard me talk about taking the gospel to the Quechua Indians in Ecuador. And I can remember over 20 years ago going and being a part of the first trip and we had no idea what we were doing, had no idea how we were supposed to, uh, how we were supposed to take the gospel, how we were to respond, or we didn't really have a strategy or anything. We just knew that God had called us to go to this Quechua Indian group. They were very steeped in idolatry. They were very steeped in religion. And so we decided, you know what? Here's what we'll do. We took a professional photographer from our church. And we said, you know what? We'll take pictures because most of them had, they had never, uh, they'd never seen a photo of themselves. They didn't have a photo of their family. We'll take a, a professional photographer out of our church and, and we bought a, uh, a printer, uh, a photo quality printer with, that ran off of batteries and we took that and we said, here's what we'll do. We will get them to come to get a free photo, a picture of their family and themselves and we will use that to tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we went around, we were handing out flyers. Hey, come tonight. We went and rented this building over in the market area and we said, if you'll come this night at seven o'clock, you can come and you can hear the story of Jesus who lived and died and rose from the dead and you'll also get a free photo of your family so we were getting everything ready we were so excited about 20 in our group we got everything set up just right and we were ready we were waiting six o'clock we were thinking hundreds would come and uh you know six o'clock there was no one there except our team not to worry it was at seven o'clock six thirty no one was there but our team 6.45, no one was there but our team. 6.50, no one was there at our team. I'm sitting there and I'm like, we've made a terrible mistake. We've spent a lot of time and a lot of money. Everybody on the team's gonna be discouraged and so disappointed. No one's gonna come. 6.55, nobody. 7 o'clock, nobody. 
To the point that I'm like, all right, look, guys, I know you're discouraged. <laughs> please, please understand. Oh, don't take it personally. You know, we gave it a good old try. We, can't, we didn't really know how they would respond. And like 7.05, 7.10, all of a sudden, one of the Ecuadorian tribal pastors that we were working with, he walks inside of the market and he says, please, Pastor Stephen, can we unlock the gates? There are thousands that have been lined up for hours. Can we please unlock the gates? And I'm like, yes, unlock the gates. And the Ecuadorians are not Baptists because what happened when we unlocked the gates and they took off running into that marketplace room, they ran for the front row, not the back row. And they were so hungry for the gospel of Jesus. And so they came in and I just shared a simple gospel story. Here is Jesus and he lived, he died, right? He rose from the dead and he will forgive your sin. He will give you life eternal and life abundant. Can we tell you about our Jesus? And then we did something that many folks would say, oh, is so wrong. We said, if you would like to give your life to Jesus today, please stand. And over two thirds of the people in that room stood and then we did something else yeah give God praise and glory for that today and then we did something else that is a no-no that our Southern Baptist Convention voted on about 10 years ago and they said many we ought not do this we let them in the sinner's prayer heresy and many got saved and then we took their pictures. And they had the biggest smiles on their face. Because they went from being dead to life. They went from being lost to found. I'm telling you guys, if you've never been in a scenario or an environment where people are so hungry for the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, we started handing out New Testaments, you would have thought we were handing out a $100 bill. They were begging, they were pleading, we ran out. Please, please, we'll come back, we'll bring more. I'm just saying, guys, it's, that's what it's like for people who've never heard. And that's the reason why we pray for our missionaries and we get missionaries to go and we have a missionary spirit to take the gospel to those who've never heard. So pray for missionaries, right? Eight billion, four point five, never even heard. Possess a burden for the lost. You're like, how do I get that? Make it a matter of your prayer. It's amazing. Your heart will start being burdened over that what you that which you pray for. Here's the third inspiration. Provide financially. Do you know why you need to give your money? Because this missionary endeavor is an expensive one. We have thousands of missionaries that we support. I was looking the other day at some of the things that we spend our money on, trivial things, things that one day will burn up and be gone, temporary things. I ran across this. This is the National Retail Federation. Now, I had no idea they existed. 
But here's what they report. They report that on the average, American families will spend $1,050 this Christmas season for decorations, food, and gifts. $1,050. Some of you are like, well, we must be above average because we spend more than that. And then there are others of you that are like, well, we don't spend that much. And then there are some of you that are like, yeah, it's getting close to that time. I better pull the sheet off of the Christmas tree that I got in the corner of the house. Good for you. What would happen? What would happen if a hundred of our families said, we're going to take that average and we're going to give it to missions? That'd be $100,000 to take the gospel to the furthest parts of the world. I'm just saying, guys, we need to provide financial. I thank God that you are such a uh, generous church. I thank God that, you know, pretty much anything that I come before you and say, hey, listen, I think we need to do this to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, you're usually like, you know what? Let's do it. Tell us what you need. Tell us who you need. Tell us where we'll go. But we provide financially, right? We pray, we possess this burden for the lost. Why? 4.5 billion. We pray for the missionaries that are serving. We ask God to send more. And here's the fourth one. Are you ready for this one? You might want to write this down. Spend a lot of time on this one. It's extremely deeply theological. Pack your bags. Pack your bags. You know what that means? That just means go. Go somewhere and be a missionary. There are so many opportunities for you to be a missionary. Every year right here within our church, we have a lot of different projects. We have a lot of different opportunities, a lot of different trips for you to be engaged. There are some of you right now, you need to go ahead and make the decision that you're going to be a part of a mission trip that's going to take place in 2023, a short-term trip to Honduras. And we need medical personnel that'll go and be a part of this trip. We need construction workers. We need folks that'll dare to be a part of a vacation Bible school. Where will we meet? In a field. We need pastoral care people. And of course, evangelism. That's the main thread of the reason why we do all these things. And right now, as you hear me say the word Honduras, God and the Holy Spirit is already squeezing your heart. You should be a part of that. God has already given you a love for the Honduran people. There are others of you. We're also planning a trip to Ecuador back in, or in 2023 to go back and work with the Quechua Indian people that I've spent many years working with. We also, we want to send a group to help partner with our reality church that we planted in Miami. Pastor Carlos Lillette. The world is in Miami. I don't know when the last time you went there, but it is. Not only that, a good thing is great Cuban food. But Carlos that loves the Lord that we've invested in, he's like, oh, if I could get some folks to come and help me reach the community and help me canvas the community. And we want to send some folks. Over five years ago, we helped Terry Lee and Abby Kirkland plant the Oaks Church in Cincinnati. And we've seen that little thing get bigger and bigger. And almost 300 on a Sunday now. And they're all like under the age of 35. It is the craziest thing. And we, they've asked us, Terry, 
Larry Lee that we, we come and send a couple of teams this next year to help them in Cincinnati. And then we have the hurricane relief. If there's anybody, we said this a few weeks ago, if there's anybody that ought to love on folks who've experienced the devastation of a hurricane, it ought to be us. And you've already given money and you've already been bringing your stuff and we've been working and planning and talking because we want just the right situation where we can go and engage and we have finally found one with uh, New Hope Church in Cape Coral, Pastor David Acton. And one of the things that we're going to do is many of the islands are still underwater and he wants us to be able to go out and help First Baptist Pine Island. And we're going to help them with their homes and help them with their buildings. And we're going to meet physical needs. And in turn, we're going to say, can we tell you, friend, you've been created for beyond this world. Can we tell you about Jesus? And right now, some of you are hearing these things and you're like, you know what, man, there's a stirring in my heart. I want to go. I want to be a part of that. I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I do, I want to be a part of that. I've got an email address I want to throw up on the screens. Can we throw that email address up there? Can we throw that email? Missions at highlandpark.org. Right now, I've never told you to do this before, so go ahead, get rid of, uh, I don't, people don't really play Candy Crush anymore. Now they play that Wordle. There's a lot of you guys that are retired. I'll wake up and at four o'clock in the morning, you're like, I got 247, you know, and you put it on Facebook and everybody's like, oh, I don't even know what that means. I think it's an idol. I really think it's an idol. So go ahead and turn that off and email right now to missions at Highland Park Baptist Church. Say this, Honduras, I'm in. Ecuador, I'm in. Hey, you know what? In a couple of weeks when you guys go down to South Florida, count me. Or God's speaking to some of you saying, you know what? Right now you can't physically go, but you know what? You can flat out give. Count me in. Now, all I need you to do is email to that address, then go ahead and put your phone up or dig back into that false idol of Wordle or Wordy or I don't know what it is. But anyway, it's a game for old people. It's what I've been told. <laughs> We've been called to be missionaries. This is interesting, guys. I was looking this up this week, that the modern missionary movement started about 150 years ago with people that were concerned about the continent of Africa. There was a Scottish preacher by the name of Robert Moffat who was serving in South Africa. He went back to his homeland of Scotland and he was trying to enlist other people to come and be missionaries. He set up a meeting at a small little church. He showed up at this church and he was really disappointed because back in those days, women did not go to the foreign mission field by themselves. And the only people that were at this church were women and children. Robert Moffat said, you know, at first I thought, I'm not even going to preach. There's no need to even have this service. None of them can go. He said, but the Holy Spirit of God grabbed a hold of me and said, no, you preach just as you had planned. And so he started to preach and he started to share how the need for the Lord of the harvest to send forth more laborers. And Moffat made this statement. Listen to what he said. Every morning... When I get up and I look at the horizon, I see the hope, or I see the smoke from a thousand villages where the name of Christ has never been heard. 
I see the smoke from a thousand villages where the name of Christ has never been heard. Robert Moffat, what he did not know is there was a young teenage boy there that night. He was up in the in the billow area for the organs up there pressing the billows. That was his job. And he heard that and he he was standing there and he said, words haunted him. The smoke from a thousand villages that had never heard the name of Jesus. So he decided, this young man, that he would become a missionary. His name, David Livingstone. And so he became a medical doctor. He went to Africa. He wasn't content to stay in South Africa where there was very few native Africans. Instead, he went and he explored the inner continent of Africa. And so he was a great missionary, a great explorer, the very first white man to travel the continent of Africa from east to west. Traveled over 29,000 miles and mapped 1 million square miles of previously uncharted territory. When David Livingstown first began his ministry there, some of the native tribes opposed him. There was one particular tribe that was a warrior type tribe. And they said, you know what? We're going to kill you and we're going to kill everybody with you. They were that much against them. And so they were tracking them one day and word got back to David Livingston that, you know what? When it's dark, they're going to attack your camp and kill everyone. I want you to listen to what David Livingstone wrote in his journal that night, January the 14th, 1856. It is evening. I feel much turmoil and fear in the prospect of having all my plans knocked on the head by savages who are just now outside the camp. People who studied his writing said that his letters, you could even tell he was shaking because of his letters. Listen to what he writes. But Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the earth. And then he continues to write. This is the word of a gentleman of most strict and sacred honor. So that's the end of my fear. I feel quiet and calm now. And they said even his letters were straight now. They didn't attack that night. Later, Livingston Livingstown and his team had the opportunity to lead that chief and that entire tribe to Jesus Christ. He and the chief became friends. They were talking one day and Livingstown said, now, do, do, do you remember when, um, when you were going to attack that night? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, we were. We were going to attack. We were waiting for the sun to go down and at dark, we were going to attack. And he said, well, why didn't you attack? And here's what the tribal chief said. He said, well, the reason why we didn't attack is there were 47 warriors surrounding your camp with swords. Livingstone said, we don't have any warriors. We, we, we don't even have security. He was back on furlough in Scotland and he shared this story at the church that was supporting him. And a man came to him afterwards with his prayer journal. And I want you to listen to what he said. He said, look, look, that story that you told, I wrote it down. Was the date January the 14th, 1856? Was that the night? Livingstown said, yes, yes. And the man said, that night, a group of men gathered together in our church to pray for you. And we prayed for God 
God's protection over you. And I wrote it down. There were 47 men praying for you that night. They, New York Times hired Henry Stanley, an explorer, journalist, sent him out to Africa to find Livingston because many years had gone by. They thought he was dead. They hadn't heard from him. And so he searched out Africa and finally he ventured in on this one camp and there was, there was this white man, the only one for miles and miles. And in the classic statement, he walked up to him and said, Mr. Livingston, I presume. Stanley was not a Christian, but he developed a friendship with Livingston. And he was led to Christ. And I love what he said about him. He converted me to Christ, and he wasn't even trying to do so. Stanley headed back, and he wanted Livingston to come with him to civilization because his health was failing. He needed medical attention, but he refused to go. He said, no, 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 no. I will stay in Africa with my assignment. I want you to listen to what he wrote in his journal. He wrote, I am a missionary hearted to soul. God had only one son, and he was a missionary and a physician. A poor, poor imitation of him I am or wish to be. In this service, I hope to live. In it, I wish to die. When he was 60 years of age, all of a sudden, one night, they heard a noise in his tent. It was 3 a.m. in the morning. They went in, and there he was, on his knees in prayer, dead. He had left strict instructions. Take my body. Take it back. And it's in the Westminster Cathedral in London. The body's buried there. But he left strict instructions. Take my heart out and bury it in Africa. Because my heart will always be in Africa. One young man who was never supposed to hear the words of one disappointed missionary yet God used it to change the world guys listen to me who knows if maybe in this service right now there is a child there's a teenager there's an adult for whom it is the smoke of a thousand fires in Africa or somewhere else that haunts you Who knows, it could be that God's putting his hand on you today to be the next Livingston or to be the next Lottie Moon or to be the next Paul Apostle. Paul says, let us go where Christ is not known and let us make much of him. And there are some of you that are here today and you would say, well, I don't know. What do I have to offer? I'm not much. I don't have a lot. I'm, some of you would even say, well, I've, I've kind of, I'm kind of retired. And we know that you may retire from your job, but there's only one time that you retire from the ministry. And that's when you're in his presence. 
But maybe today you would say, but I just can't, I can't do what he did. I want you to listen to this quote from Dr. Johnny Hunt. God may not allow you to touch thousands, but he may allow you to touch one who will touch thousands. How about today? Where you are, you start making a difference for Christ. Hey guys, this is Stephen Kyle, and I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today, Unchangeable Truth. This is a ministry of Highland Park Baptist Church in Panama City, Florida. We would love for you to visit us if you ever find yourself in the Panama City area. Our address is 2611 Highway 231 North. You can also learn more about our church and its ministry by going to our website, www.highland, and it's H-I-L-A-N-D, park.org. There you'll learn more about what we believe, what we teach, about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There'll also be a sermon archive there so you can go and listen to various sermons over the last several years. As always, we would love to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus Christ. So feel free, shoot us an email, info at highlandpark.org. If you'd like to learn more about Jesus and what it means to follow him, Our prayers are that you would draw near to Christ, that this podcast would be used to point you to Jesus and to help your faith grow and your walk increase. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening.